Thanks for choosing to spend time in the studio with Michael Card. What you're about to hear in this podcast was recorded several years ago in Franklin, Tennessee. Though some of the details about guests and ministries may have changed since this was first broadcast, the messages discussed in these conversations still ring true. Check out what's new with Michael's ministry when you visit michaelcard.com or connect via Facebook or Twitter when you search for Michael Card. And let us know your reaction to what you've discovered from this classic edition in the studio. In the studio with Michael Card, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Welcome to our program today. We're still kind of new here, Michael, to this radio program, but this has been fun. New in one way, but then it's a return. Uh, we, we did the earlier program together, so mm-hmm. it's a chance for us to get together again. We and are the newest program on Moody Broadcasting and are still gathering listeners together. I hope you're telling someone about this program being on the air now. And I, I just want to say it's great to be back in the studio with you, Wayne, Thank you. Uh, working together and, and reasoning. Come let us reason together, <laughs> yes, as the yes. Bible says. Well, I love to come and be a part of this community here of friends. And it really should be called In the Studio with Michael Card and Friends because we have so many people coming and going each week. Mm-hmm. We're going to do that again today. As a matter of fact, later on, we're going to place a phone called Calvin Miller, one of your favorite people. Mm-hmm. We'll talk to him about our gift of creativity that God has given to us. And we're going to play a recording of a wonderful reading of one of Calvin's poems. That uh, at the same time, uh, Phil Kagi listened to the poem and improvised on the guitar. It's a it, wonderful moment. It is, and we'll hear that in the second half of today's program. Our program is divided this way: we like to get into the scriptures. We call that our commentary section. We have our creativity section where we talk with people like Calvin Miller. We have our community section where we talk about the importance of coming together as believers. Today, we've invited a very special guest to join us once again. Yeah, and a person who means so much to me as a part of our little creative community, but uh, as also as a part of our community of faith, uh, and and just a person that I've walked with for, I don't know how many years, probably 15 years mm-hmm. at least, uh, Steve Green, a wonderful friend and a wonderful brother. Wow. Well, thank you. It's great to be with Welcome. both of you. Thanks. We've got the sun shining on Steve's face through the studio window here. So. <laughs> Makes me look no, a bit angelic, no, doesn't Steve, it? it's that way all the time. <laughs> oh, oh, See, I, I could close the curtain and it'd still be that Come way. on now. Come on. <laughs> well, Steve, we invite you to open the scriptures with us here today. And together we've kind of chosen a passage in Hebrews. We've been tracking through Hebrews now. I think this is our fourth program, Michael. So, mm-hmm. Steve, let, let's uh, get in here. Well, the, the portion of scripture um, that I was asked to, to look at with you uh, is Hebrews 11, beginning with verse 32. And of course, you know, it's we're picking up kind of midstream, mm-hmm. but right before that uh, is just a wonderful history of God's redeeming very ordinary, regular fallen people mm-hmm. and using them in very miraculous ways. Right. And so here we've just um, gotten done with the crescendo of all of their exploits uh, just massive things, you know. We're talking about the walls of Jericho falling down and and the Red Sea parting and all of that. And then we, of course, pick up verse 32, and, and the writer says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, Mm -hmm. quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, 
were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. And then all of a sudden in men's sentence, it changes to this. Mm. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and floggings and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. All of these, though commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Hmm. That's our passage today. I hope you're able to follow along in your own Bible as Steve uh, read through Hebrews, the last few verses of chapter 11. Michael, what are your thoughts as you hear that powerful passage? Well, I think uh, Steve alluded to it. You've, you've got really two separate lists of people. You've got winners mm. and you've got what seem to be losers. You've got the people who miraculously receive their dead back, who rout entire armies. And in American Christianity, we would say, oh, those are the people with the faith. But then in the second half of the list, you have people that suffer, that are uh, that uh, that die, that are imprisoned, right, right. and the point the writer is making is these are the these are people with faith as well. This is the same group of people. I think what we have to overcome in America is is this false uh, thinking that you know if you're suffering, it's because you don't have enough faith. I mean, it's time for that. To, to go. Mm. I mean, wouldn't you agree? That's Absolutely. And, you know, still they're included in this hall of faith. I mean, uh, you know, it would be a little more comfortable to us to have ended it there right before verse um, 30, 35 and, and left it with, with the high point. But God includes in that list of heroes and heroines these who mm. suffered greatly nameless and 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 it mm-hmm. reminds us again that suffering is part and parcel of our call to follow Christ i mean how could we forget uh, his words blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you mm-hmm. when they say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake rejoice and be exceeding glad so um he reminded us also if the world hated me it will also hate you. This is nothing nothing new. Don't be surprised at this. Mm. You both have felt this very deeply because you both have written songs uh, on this theme, haven't you? Well, Steve worked with Voice of the Martyrs for how long? Well, for several years, yeah. just um, getting, getting to know them better. And still with a gentleman named Kevin Turner, who's part of Strategic World Impact, uh, another ministry caring for the persecuted church. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it has meant a lot to us. I think Steve has actually put more wheels to it than I have. I've, I've, I've written about it and talked about it. I think Steve's actually done uh, something about it, and, I, and that encourages me. I, I don't mean to sound discouraged. Uh, Steve's um, testimony in terms of the places that he's gone to with that uh, has meant a lot to me. In fact, you really drew, drew me into the issue. He gave me a book to read, and, and, and it was a whole, and there's community again, but as, as part of the community, he pulled me into the issue because I was fairly ignorant of the Michael, you situation. alluded to that earlier that in our culture that we don't really value that kind of suffering and that kind of uh, mm-hmm. faithfulness, and mm-hmm. yet that's, in God's economy, that, that's it, isn't it, Steve? Mm-hmm. It is. Um, I think of, of the, uh, Paul's verse in, to the Philippians, for it has been granted to you 
on behalf of Christ, to suffer for yeah. him. I mean, it's a gift. Mm. Um, it's, it's not, you know, a negative thing. Remember also in Romans where um, Paul mentioned that if we suffer with him, you'll also reign with yeah. him. So uh, there is a crown awaiting. Uh, Matthew Poole, a commentator, said, uh, Christians have their worst in this life and their best in the life to come. Mm. And for the those who reject our Lord and, and the ungodly, uh, it's the opposite. You know, they look for the best here, but, uh, you know, we shudder to think of what their eternity will hold. Mm. And I think it's so important, even, even in terms of understanding the Scripture, that we come to a place where we can understand this, because the book of Hebrews is a perfect example of a book that was written to people that were suffering, mm-hmm. that were looking at martyrdom, that were looking at arena persecution. Mm-hmm. And uh, how can a, a, a 21st century American Christian who thinks that suffering is is uh, beyond question a right. result of... If they're suffering, they're doing something wrong right, in God's right, sight. Right. I mean, how can you understand a book like Hebrews? I mean, the, one of my favorite passages in 12, um, but, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. Oh, mm-hmm. what a glorious scene. You don't understand that passage until you understand this is written to men and women who are in the bowels of the arena. They're hearing thousands upon thousands mm-hmm. of Romans screaming for their blood, they're tempted to believe that their names are going to be forgotten, that they're going to be uh, lost in the sand of the arena. Mm -hmm. So in that context, what does he say? No, there are thousands upon thousands of angels waiting Mm -hmm. to greet you. And guess what? Your name is written in heaven. It's not going to be forgotten here. Do you you see the difference? I mean, and of course, William Lane taught us all that. I mean, that's where it comes from. Uh, And so we even insofar as understanding Scripture, we can't lose sight of the, of the martyrs and suffering. Right. And I think, too, especially in our culture, we have to differentiate between various kinds of suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing noble or spiritual about suffering because of our own— Did something wrong. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, Peter, <laughs> Peter said that. I mean, what benefit—if you receive a beating for being stupid, you know, or for being a fool or for breaking the law, well, there you go. Yeah. yeah. And um, so there's that kind of suffering. Uh, I've heard people talk about suffering and complain and ask for prayer, but really it, were, is, it was a result of their own choices disobeying God. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a suffering that comes to us through that, and, 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 and that's just common to everyone, and there's nothing—you uh, know, it's not the kind of persecution we're talking about. Right. There's also suffering that happens um, just because we live in a fallen world. Uh, we were talking earlier today about uh, various countries, particularly Argentina. That's the country that I uh, was raised in and w- was there just a brief time ago. And they're going through an ongoing economic difficulty that affects the believers in that country. I just received an email from uh, a brother saying, pray for us. Times are very hard here. Mm. So they're suffering, but that isn't even what we're talking about. We're talking about suffering particularly for the name and sake of Jesus Christ, yeah. Yeah. when when you are bearing reproach because of your identity with Him, um, that's that's really the blessing, the treasures found uh, in, in in that identification with Christ, mm. and that is a noble uh, suffering to bear when Absolutely. we do it in the name of Christ. Well, we're going to talk more with Steve Green in the studio with Michael Card today. Also, a little bit later, we'll be hearing Steve and Michael sing together. But right now, Michael, let's turn to one of your songs here in the studio. This is called Pilgrims to the City of God. It fits right in with our study right here. One, two, three, one. 
sailed out across the crown We travel a dark road that has but one light For we have here no lasting town And sometimes we run by the power of his might On our own at the best we can plod What we hopefully look for is just beyond sight a pilgrim to the city of God The stigma of strangers lost in a strange land In a fallen world that's not our home But we are not just homeless prodigals here Because we have some place to go and sometimes we run by the power of his might On our own at the best we can plot What we hopefully look for is just beyond sight We are pilgrims to the city of God Pilgrims to the city of God Behold you have come to Mount Zion to the city of the great king To thousands and thousands of angels who come Assemble to joyfully sing And they sing Pilgrims to the city of God Pilgrims to the city of God Wow. See, Michael, that's your gift. Take a book of the Bible and mm-hmm. sum it up mm-hmm. with music. I just love how you do that. And, Thank you. You know, in, in, in the context of what we've been talking about, I mean, that flows right into the next passage, which is the first verses in 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, mm-hmm. and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Oh, that's that's mm. that's what you were singing about. And the next verse is is the uh, for me anyway is the conclusion yeah, of the roll call right. of faith. Yeah. And I mean, I, it's unfortunate that the chapter breaks there because Jesus is the one who's mm-hmm. the the top of the pyramid of this roll call. Let we're us fix our, our eyes, eyes yeah. on yeah. Jesus. Yeah. The author and perfecter of our faith. Mm. Which leads us right into the next segment of our program today, which is in the studio with Michael Card and special guest Steve Green. We have as one of our themes here community. What better community, Mike, to think of than the community of all those who love the Lord and name the name of the Lord. And and who are on the pilgrimage together. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think that's that's something that we share, I think, at a deeper level, probably at least more than I realize, that, that life is a pilgrimage. 
And, uh, and certainly we are called to suffer, but we aren't called to suffer alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there, there are brothers and sisters who will walk with us, who know what we're going through. And, and I, don't, I think that's a unique thing to the faith. Mm-hmm. Well, both of you have, in your ministries, traveled to other parts of the world. You've met with, identified with those who have uh, gone through this type of suffering. What does that do in your own heart, and how do you kind of come back to our comfortable culture here? Well, and, and you know, how do you talk about this? Um, f- it's such a weighty thing, and I can't pretend to identify with brothers and sisters who have gone um, through intense suffering. In fact, I brought a, a magazine with me uh, from Strategic World Impact, and they have pictures just from last October of a church uh, in Pakistan. Yes. You know, the fif- 15 faces of believers who were meeting for yes. prayer, right. mm. and gunmen came in and, and slaughtered them. So, you know, there's there are certain things that we really can't do when we talk about um, this kind of suffering. Uh, we can't pretend to have some pat answers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think of my, my mom who's uh, gone through two cancer surgeries. Well, if I say to someone, well, you know, the Lord will help you. God will be with you. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. it, you know, okay. But when she puts her arm around someone and says, um, God is good, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, all of a sudden there's, a, there's some power behind the testimony, those. yeah. And I think that, you know, Carefully, just as brothers, we you know I travel various parts of the world. I try to encourage and love and listen. Um, but the one thing we can do is don't forget. Mm. You know, remember, mm-hmm. remind each other of what's going on. Um, you know, pray for one another. Um, that's really the call that God has given to us uh, with our brothers and sisters around the world. Yeah, I think sometimes the, the, the immediate response to sort of be discouraged. Well, I don't know anything about suffering. Oh, I, I think. Sometimes if the devil can't make you do wrong, he'll make you do right wrong, mm-hmm. and and that's just one other way to forget about the martyrs. To is to disassociate yourself to the degree that well, I'll never understand. We we will never understand the depth of that kind of suffering. Mm-hmm. But like Steve says, we don't abandon them. We well, like the author of the book of Hebrews says, mm-hmm. we don't forget those who are our fellow prisoners. We you know we can be with them through prayer. Mm-hmm. So uh, and and we're joined. Literally, we're joined in Christ. Mm. So his admonition there was, you know, remember them as being yourselves also in the body, mm-hmm. um, because we are members of one body. You know, there's this amazing thing that happens, uh, of course, t- to each of us who have the privilege of traveling overseas. Um, you step off the plane or, or the boat or the train or whatever you're on, and, and you arrive and you meet your host brothers and sisters who are helping you. And just within moments, there is this strong sense of family. Yeah, It's, it, it's, hmm. it's just astounding, isn't it? Because, yeah. you know, you think apart from Christ, there are so many barriers that, that you would never have this sense of community. But um, just the brief time that I was in South America recently, I took my son, who's 16, hmm. and that's what astounded him. He said, Dad, I could move here. <laughs> I love these people. Well, how, how does that happen apart from the Spirit of Christ? That's right. yeah. So that's what this is talking about is, is you know, the, the emails that you're getting, the magazines that are available to tell us these real stories. And something happens in your heart and you sense this is, this is family. Mm. And so there's an urgency that, that, that springs forth in prayer 
for these brothers and sisters. Yeah, I was thinking earlier, though, when you were talking, Michael and Steve, about uh, about prayer, that sometimes we think that's all I can do. Well, I mean, what what more would right. we want to do than to speak mm-hmm. to our Heavenly Father on behalf of those who are suffering Absolutely. or being persecuted simply for naming the name of Christ? Yeah, it reveals really the, the value that we put on prayer when mm-hmm. we say things like that. But I feel, I, I've, I've said those very words. Well, gee, all I can do is yeah. pray for yeah. you. What, you know, <laughs> is there anything else I can do? And, yeah. and the doing is, mm-hmm. is not what matters as much as going before the Lord in yeah. prayer. And, you know, think of when Peter was in prison, okay, here... He's locked away, couldn't do much. But everyone else was up all night praying, praying for him, praying mm. for him, resting yeah. for him. So, you know, what a significant part that is. Mm. Yeah. You know, we have a couple of minutes here. I wonder if maybe right now we could pray. Mm. Uh, pray specifically. I mean, again, both of you have been in situations where you've met people in cultures where they are suffering. And let's, let's pray specifically now in the time we have remaining. Mm. Steve, would you start? And then Michael, ask you to, to close here. Well, Lord, you... Uh, have called us to um, voice prayers and utterances and concerns. And, Lord, we only ask that these prayers now be energized by your Holy Spirit, that we pray according to your will. We know that not everyone in the body suffers at the same time. Uh, While some are undergoing suffering, uh, the rest of us need to be undergirding them with with prayer. So, Lord, we think about the believers in in Pakistan, Mm. Um, lives have been shattered, homes torn apart. Mm. Um, it's it's just almost beyond our comprehension, Lord. Would you please surround them with your comfort and strength? We think, Lord, of the uh, believers in China and all that they have to do to um, follow you uh, secretly, privately, mm. uh, sometimes, Lord, fearfully. And uh, I do ask, Lord, that you would strengthen them in their faith, encourage them in their hearts. Mm-hmm. And, um, Lord, as you're already doing, your church is growing mightily, Lord. Mm-hmm. Continue your work, I pray. Um, and, Lord, for various other places, Sudan has been a, uh, mm-hmm. just a hotbed of, of persecution, Vietnam as well. And, Lord, um, where there even this very moment is a believer who is uh, trembling, who is weak, who is afraid, um, uh, Lord, who is alone. Uh, Take these prayers, Lord, and answer them. Surround them, strengthen them. Mm. Let them know that that they are being remembered in Mm. this instant. Mm. In Christ's name I pray. Yes. Lord, I agree with that prayer. I pray that even this moment, um, those believers would become unusually aware of your presence mm-hmm. with them through these prayers. And as as this program is, is re- repeated mechanically uh, in weeks and months to come, each time, Lord, I pray that uh, the, 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 the prayer support would grow and the awareness would grow for, uh, for those who are suffering. Yes. And, and I also would ask, Lord, that you would help transform our, our valuing of prayer uh, for those of us who are guilty of saying, all I can do is pray, pray that you convict us and, and teach us and, and open our eyes to the incredible privilege that we have to come before you of, of the, of the mm-hmm. tremendous price that you mm-hmm. paid, Lord Jesus, so that we could come in uh, directly to the Father, uh, the curtain that was torn that was you, mm-hmm. so that we could come and speak to the Father. Uh, as as a child speaks to its father. We thank you for that. And instruct our hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, w- we have our National Day of Prayer here in America. Lord, uh, 
please let let that grow uh, to include 365 days. Let let this be a praying nation. Uh, 9/11 happened, and we so many of us prayed, and 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 that has begun to to wane. We pray, Lord, that. Uh, uh, prayer would be a thing that would would, would grow mm-hmm. in this country and become deeply rooted. Mm-hmm. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Amen. 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 Well, thanks to both of you, Steve Green and Michael Card. But before we get away, we're going to ask you to sing this song together. And how appropriate, this song is called The Faithful. dark filthy places forsaken forgotten our brothers and sisters are paying a price they will not deny him their purchase their freedom for these are the faithful the martyrs for christ twisted and broken abandoned and beaten their bodies confined an unseen sacrifice but deep in their spirits they know perfect freedom for they are the ones who've been set free by Christ from under the altar the voices are crying how long Lord till you come judge the earth but he'll wrap and redeem them in robes of pure white For the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. For the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. The deafening silence, the faithful refusal to doubt or deny in the present. His promise before his own father that in his kingdom he'll not deny them. From under the altar, their voices are crying. crying how long lord till you come judge the earth but he'll wrap and redeem them in robes of pure white for the blood of the martyrs is a seed of the church for the blood of the martyrs is a seed
the song is called The Faithful. Steve Green, Michael Card, along with Brian Howell at the piano and Ken Lewis on percussion. And we've come to the halfway point in our program today. If you'd like more information about Michael's music and ministry, join us on the web at www.michaelcard.com. Well, after this break, Calvin Miller joins us to talk about fresh ways to present the truth of God's Word. All this and much more when you join us on the Moody Broadcasting Network. Coming up next week in the studio with Michael Card, Michael will open the Word and teach on the life of Jesus. And there'll be guest conversations and plenty of music woven throughout the hour that will inspire you to follow Christ in new and deeper ways. The instruments are tuned and the Bible is open, so make sure you join us for this unforgettable session. Look for the post and invite other like minds to hear this program on Apple, Spotify, or Google Play. All the details at michaelcard.com. Welcome back to the second half of our program in the studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Michael, today we've talked about the scriptures, we've talked about community. Another thing we want to talk about is God's gift of creativity. Yeah, Wayne, that's something that's behind, I think, every part of the show. If we want to talk about community, what we talk about is the fact that creativity comes out of community. Mm. When we talk about uh, interacting with the text of scripture as commentary, what we want to understand is how can we use our creativity and understand the text at the level of the imagination. And uh, th- the next guest is really the person who taught me to do that. Is that right? I can remember uh, being in, uh, in college and picking up this odd, long, skinny-shaped book, <laughs> The Singer. Oh, and yes. I thought, what what is this? You know, I'm this sort of snooty uh, biblical guy. Who you know, who would dare do something like this? And I started reading the singer, and it absolutely changed my life. Well, we have that storyteller yeah, with us. Yeah. He's Calvin Miller. Calvin, welcome to in the studio here. Thank you. Glad to be here. Now, this is a new program, Calvin, but uh, we hope that you'll be a regular uh, guest for us. Well, I hope I have that much to contribute. I'd love ah, to. Yeah. <laughs> give, us, give us an overview of creativity, Calvin. What's, uh, what's your thought about that? Well, you know, uh, to me, creativity is uh, uh, sort, of, sort of man uh, and women, generically human beings, in, enlarging uh, and explaining and, and really interpreting God's world. Art is, art is an interpretation of the world, but in the process of doing that, we define who we are. My, my favorite definition of art is one that Anne Rand used. She said art is, uh, using her old pre-politically correct uh, definition, she said art is, is man defining himself. And uh, I like that. I, I, I think that when I paint a picture, uh, it defines who I am. It, when I hear Michael's song, I know right off who wrote that song. Mm. I, I just have to hear one of his songs, and I can tell right off that Michael wrote that mm. song. And uh, there's a way he goes about singing, a way he goes about writing, uh, the tempo, the way he arranges notes, uh, speaks to me and tells me that's who he is. So I think art always defines who we are, but it's a wonderful thing to be in process of just bumping into God everywhere and then interpreting what you run into so that you give it a little different slant than maybe God puts it in the world. Well, I love the fact that you're moving away from this old... Uh, it's not a Christian understanding, but you hear it in the Christian church a lot, this idea that uh, when we're creative, we're sort of imitating uh, the Creator. And, uh, you know, I, I've never been comfortable with that dem- uh, definition at all. Uh, I think creativity is worship. I mean, this whole idea of defining yourself, which worship also does, 
Um, so I, I, I love your definition, Calvin. I love to move away from these old sort of uh, gray, flat, I think uh, really non-biblical ideas of what creativity really is. Yeah, you, you know, you know any time we interpret, we just metaphorize. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that uh, we, we take metaphor and we just explode it. You don't have to read me much of David's Psalms before mm-hmm. I begin to get pictures of shepherds or fields or rocks or crags or eagles. Um, you don't have to read me very far in Jesus before I get pictures of bread and springs of living water and mm-hmm. all these things that, that interpret for us uh, some very uh Calvinistic principles sometimes. And the idea that, that we're not creating out of nothing the way God creates, we're, right. we're still just uh, utilizing and weaving uh, the images that God has given us. So I, I think, I think pe- creative people have taken themselves too seriously, and not simply as responders, like you say, but uh, I, I, I just love moving in, in that direction. Yeah, you know, what you and I did that one time we talked about children, when, mm-hmm. what, when you said a while ago, uh, creativity are people who know how to play, mm-hmm. uh, that they play and play and play, and out of their play uh, comes all this beauty. I, I, I think that that's true of, uh, they, they say that uh, Newton's, among his last memoirs, the great scientist, English scientist, he said, I, I, I seem to myself to have been a little child playing mm-hmm. along a, a strand of shore trying to find the best rocks and shells. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and out of that comes the magnificence of uh, all Isaac Newton was. So, mm-hmm. I I think that uh, that's true of us. I think when when we adopt that children's mode, we we see the world for the first time. Our eyes get big, uh, and we can barely drink it all in. Mm-hmm. Well, Calvin, is this something which is innate, or is this something that you have developed in your own life? You know, I I I think it's both. It's uh, it's you know what Michael has said so much about community. Uh, he he hasn't told this story, but one, in one of his trips to uh, Ireland, he brought back a couple of Celtic harps, one of which I have in my house, and mm. I I just treasure. I just I'm looking at it right now, sitting here in my mm. front room. Um, but I don't play it like Michael plays it. But Michael doesn't play it just great, but he played it well enough to play it in our college and university chapels, and, <laughs> was, and it was beautiful. But but what he said was when he made a mistake. I remember one place where he made a mistake, and he said. One of the nice things about creating in community is you can make a mistake, and the mistake belongs to everybody, mm. and nobody really cares. Oh. I think there's a strong sense that when we when we create as children, if we make a mistake and our mud pie doesn't look just right, we'll make another one. And community uh, provides that security in which we can be free to create. And the wonderful thing about community is that I'm really loved more when I do make a mistake. <laughs> yes. And I, I, I remember that as a very special moment, Michael. Yeah. In fact, uh, of all the things you do so well and so right, I remember that one mistake <laughs> as being the most beautiful thing that could have happened to a whole bunch of us at once. Just what you were hoping for, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, it's my ministry, hey. <laughs> Fallibility has some glory about it. Ab- absolutely. I mean, I always ask people when I when I do mess up, which happens frequently. I mean, what do you expect? You expect perfection? Right? <laughs> well, we want to demonstrate God's gift of creativity here today with Calvin Miller mm. and uh, Michael. I'm going to ask you to set this up for us. We're going to hear something very special. Thank you. This, this is this talking Calvin talking about a moment. This was a moment I'll never forget. We, uh, you were here in this studio. And and Phil Keggy, uh, the wonderful uh, guitar player, was here as well. And you read—I'll I'll never forget that either. No, I, I, I won't either. You read the poem, and Phil improvised 
hearing the, the, the poem for the first time. That This is really a moment that got captured. So this wasn't rehearsed no. and tracked and put no. together later. And you'll notice that Calvin will mention uh, the marionetta strings being cut. And at that precise moment, Phil will chime, uh, like make, making the sound of a, tr- a string being cut. And it, it is just, it, 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 for me, was a moment I'll never forget. Calvin, you set the story up for us, and then we'll hear it together here today. One of the things that I've always found, Michael, in writing for children, particularly my first two children's books were written for the secular market. So I was, I'm always working at that thing of trying to get some uh, cosmic and eternal and God values in in such a metaphorical way that the uh, editors in New York don't chop them out. <laughs> <you know? laughs> and, and Marionetta became one of those kinds of, um, of opportunities to talk about what new birth or rebirth is really like. Uh, how uh, God restores all things, and yet I could do it in metaphor and not be so uh, literally biblical about it that uh, people outside the Christian community would welcome it. So in telling this little story, I was I was trying my best to say uh, God is a good place to begin again when, uh, when we face our fears and uh, break with our past, and then we really anticipate and enjoy the promises of God. Mm. Well, let's listen to this wonderful story. Calvin Miller in the studio with Phil Keggy. Marionetta wanted to be a real live girl. She was always on stage where she'd dance and she'd sing. But when everyone left the theater at night, Marionetta was stranded, still tied to her strings. Her strings were five, and they kept her alive, one for each hand and one for each foot and one for the top of her head. The other string dancers had warned her so often that without her five strings, she'd be dead. But Marionetta would hang in the dark when all of the children were gone, and she'd cry ever softly and wish for the light and dream of a day without strings. And she would be free to run down a walk or skate like a demon through wide parking lots. She'd run through a meadow and chase butterflies, climb trees without getting all tangled in knots. She'd fly from her shadows and dance on the wind and listen to locusts and Katie did sing. And she would be free as a robin or swallow with never the tug or the yank of a string. One night, after acting, she hung on a board. Her dark strings were knotted and twisted in cords. Marionetta, said a voice in the dark, would you come with me to the mountains and see if I cut your strings so you could be free? Yes, yes, she cried, but I'm knotted in cords and I'm hanging quite backwards and facing these boards. I'm the master of dancers. I'll cut all your strings and you'll dance in the light where the Katie did sings. The other string dancers began to object. Don't trust him, you'll die. He promises things, but our kind can't live or move without strings. I'd rather be dead than tied up in cords and knotted in darkness and facing these boards. Come, master of dancers, and cut off my strings. In the dark, Marionetta could not see a thing as the string dancer's master drew near. But she heard a brief snip and she felt a string clipped and her left leg fell free and dangled in air. A second snip came and she hung splendidly. And two more short snips 
and her hands dangled free. And she hung by one string on the top of her head. And with one final snip, she tumbled like lead. And the string dancers cried, the poor girl is dead. Oh, no, I'm not, said a voice in the dark. I'm free of these strings, and I'll follow the lark. When the morning light came on the edge of the dawn, everyone saw Marionetta was gone. They doubted the voice that had called in the night, that promised the dancer a life in the light. They still hung in their courts, the poor knotted things, insisting that no one could live without strings. But Marionetta knew sunshine and joy and ran through the meadows where Katie did sing. She chased her fast shadow where waterfalls spring. She was glad she had chosen a life without strings. Calvin, I think we need to do a whole album of those. <laughs> that was beautiful. I, yeah. I love to hear Phil do that. It yeah. just it just works so well. Yeah. Huh. Michael, uh, talk to me more about what you feel when you hear that expression of, we're talking about creativity here, what, when you hear a story like that. Well, um, like Calvin was saying before, he, he, was, he was trying to uh, metaphorically speak about the gospel in a way that uh, I guess isn't, isn't yeah, I use the word preachy, hmm. um, and I, the the effect it has on me is, uh, I hope the effect that it has on everyone hearing it, and that is, uh, you begin to ask yourself questions. I mean, and like Jesus' parables, you interact with the person, you know, in the story, and mm-hmm. and I'm asking, you know, what what has me tied up? And of course, obviously, we we're all tied in knots, and <laughs> and uh, and and Christ is the one who comes and cuts those things. Uh, not simply so that we can be unbound, but so that we can dance the way Marionetta did with the lark and watching her fast shadow and the wonderful images. And to do it without preaching, per se, as our guest Calvin Miller has said. Calvin, uh, this is exactly what our culture needs, doesn't it? It needs us Christians to kind of creatively tell these stories. Yeah, I think so. And in fact, one of my uh, teacher of homiletics at the seminary, I'm on a real crusade for this. What I've tried to do is to get evangelicals to own up to the fact that preaching uh, to be expository doesn't have to be didactic or it doesn't mm. have to be preceptual, you know. I mean, I think there's a feeling that, that uh, any time you hear the word expository, you're thinking uh, preceptually. And I, I think Jesus told a lot of stories, and I think he was an expository preacher. I'm trying to get people to see that stories are exposition of truth. And the Bible abounds with it. Jesus' life abounds with it. Jesus is a great storyteller. When someone says to Jesus, uh, who is my neighbor, he doesn't say, let me give you three Hebrew roots. <laughs> he says, uh, let me tell you a story. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. And and he's so inductive about it that when he finishes the story, he doesn't say, okay, this this guy was the, the neighbor. He says, who do you think was neighbor? And mm-hmm. the stories are engaging and inductive, and the listener has to uh, write his own theology on the spot. And I think that's the, the mode of, of a postmodern world. Whether we like it or not, we are there. And story is just a great way to preach. It's a great way to live. In fact, I, I'd like to do a book on, on just meta-narrative. I think every time I stand up to preach, I'm preaching to a whole bunch of people who are writing their own narratives, and mm. I've got my narrative, and 
we'd come together in 30 minutes of worship and bang narratives for a while. Mm. And uh, out of push, putting all this together, we further define ourselves and who God is and what He, what he requires of us. Well, that's the whole poema idea, that yeah. our lives are poems. Yeah. That... By the way, I love that in your book. I forgot which book that was in, mm. but that... That's a wonderful notion. Mm. Well, I'll, I'll never forget being in uh, the church that you gave leadership to in uh, was it Omaha, uh-huh. and uh, it was Easter, and you come in, you you never knew what to expect, right, <laughs> in Calvin's church, and and what had happened. I don't know if you did this or if you had the maintenance man do it, but they'd taken the cross off the wall. It was lying sideways on the altar. You go, what? You know, <laughs> yeah. What is what this? Is this? <laughs> and and there were three candles, one on the on the side piece of the head, one on the uh, the the cross piece on top of that and then one on the other side of the cross. And um, without saying a word. I mean, everyone's just sort of, you know, in suspense. Calvin walks up and he starts telling the whole narrative from memory of the the Peter's three denials. And each time uh, there was a denial Calvin takes the candle and blows it out. Oh. And then he, he recites, it goes on to the John 21 passage where Jesus gives Peter a chance to reaffirm three times that he loves him. And each time he would relight the candle. Oh, and that I was love that. And that was it. And I, I will, uh, Calvin, I'll never forget that. You've forgotten a lot of sermons, but not oh, that one. Oh, I'll, I'll never forget that. Uh, thanks, Michael. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm always talking about what I call image exegesis in the sermon. Don't don't just preach to me a, a scripture, but show me mm. something visual mm. while, you, while you give me the scripture. Which Jesus constantly did. Look at the fields. Look Absolutely. at the Right, right, right. Exactly. Well, Calvin, uh, I know how strongly Michael believes in mentoring, and I have to think that you do as well. This isn't just something that you're developing in your own life. You you're looking to pass this on to others as well. I really am, and I work on it all the time in preaching courses, both on a doctoral level. I've taught adjunctively now at Dallas and Trinity and Denver. All the time I do this, and everywhere I go where I do preaching things, Asbury, I try my best to say, uh, you know, let's let's put some imagery into our exegesis. Let's, let's open the Bible up with pictures and mm-hmm. stories. And, uh, and people will remember it longer. You mentioned a lot of good schools. Are you going to mention where you are now, though? Yes, I am. I'm at Beeston, which is an excellent school. And uh, there have been uh, the there was a man in, who lived in Birmingham. He was not a Baptist, but he split his uh, fortune, I think, of around 130 million between Asbury oh. and Sanford. And and uh, we started a brand new theological school here. But the uh, Asbury School started a particular graduate level studies program, and uh, I've worked in both of those, but it, it's just a great school, uh, good theology. Being brand new, it doesn't have a lot of tradition. I think that's why I like to start my own church and maybe why I like a new seminary. Uh, there are a lot of things you don't have that you wish you did have, like a lot of alumni, alumni would be a great thing. Uh, we don't have a lot uh, of those right. just starting, but you can do about anything you want to. That is nice, and that's a good freedom to put on an artistic fellow, I think. That, hey, thank you so much uh, for helping us understand and appreciate God's gift of creativity to us. Well, thank you very much, and thanks for putting me on the program, Michael. Uh, I appreciate it. Well, I meant what I said earlier. I hope as the, as the program proceeds that you can be a regular guest, because uh, you cover all three of our categories, creativity, community, and certainly commentary, so we, we, we'd love to have you back. Well, I'll sure come. Just ask any time. Okay. Thank we you say, very much. God bless. God bless.
And as we say goodbye to Calvin Miller today, we turn again to Michael's music. And Michael, we talk about uh, Christ as really the, uh, the the creator himself, you know, who the, the source of our creativity. And if we're going to be creative, we have to respond to a vision, right? Hmm. Uh, and creativity is worship. Creativity is a response. And it's a response to the vision that we receive only from Christ Jesus. In the studio now with Michael Card, Be Thou My Vision. Yeah.
heaven's joys, O bright heaven's sun. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of all. Michael, that is so nice. Thank you. And Shanoa Sykes, thanks for sharing your artistry with us today. And of course, our thanks to Calvin Miller and Phil Keggy as well. This concludes our time in the studio with Michael Card. For more information about this program and the ministry of Michael, then join us on the web at www.michaelcard.com. And going online is the best way to stay current with what's happening with Michael's music and teaching. We're working on developing the virtual community that will let you access unique Bible study options, giving you tools to aid in your understanding of God's Word. I think you'll want to bookmark the site and visit us often to check out the progress at michaelcard.com. Don't forget to take a moment and give us your feedback about today's broadcast. Your comments are a great source of encouragement for all of us working on this new program. And also, don't forget to pass along your questions about the Bible and living the Christian life. We'll try to get to as many of these on the air as we can in the future. You can leave those email messages at inthestudio at michaelcard.com. That's inthestudio at michaelcard.com. Coming up on next week's session, we'll talk about the power of God's Word with Mike Smith and meet a prayer warrior from the Empty Hands Fellowship. And as always, Michael will also sing a few of his songs. So consider this an open invitation to join us next week for a studio session you won't want to miss. Our program engineer is Kenny Ferris. Our producer is Joe Carlson. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for being with us in the studio with Michael Carr. In the Studio with Michael Card is a production of The Card Group and the Moody Broadcasting Network.